Hey, in Kansas, doing a great job in Nashville, everybody. She's doing an awesome job. Amen. You guys remain standing real quick. All right? So we're going to participate in unity this morning. Amen? So on the count of three, we're going to shout hallelujah in unison, okay? And we're going to learn about why we're doing that today. So one, two, three. Hallelujah! Before y'all sit down one more time, <laughs> do you guys want to sing a little song with me? Okay, awesome, okay. So how this goes is when I'm going to point the mic out to you guys, you're going to say Jesus, okay? All right? So, you know, um, one of my favorite praise songs is Can't Stop Praising His Name by Ryan Cannoli, Okay. So I'm going to try to, I got to do his voice. I'm going to try to do his voice so don't be shocked, okay? So, <laughs> so once again, when I point the mic out, you say Jesus. And he's just proclaiming who Jesus is, okay? So y'all ready? So, the name above all names, his name is Jesus. King of kings and lords of lords, his name is Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. and dancing. Amen. Yes. So I know we've, um, we've already, you know, some of you guys just from being here, I've witnessed some of you all have already entered into that, you know, praise and dancing and worshiping, truly worshiping from your spirit. And then I've seen some haven't. <laughs> and I see that that's either because of a spirit of fear or a lack of knowledge. So we're going to cover, we're going to attack both of those tonight, knowledge and the spirit of fear. Amen. So we're going to start in Matthew 11. And this is an opportunity from God to enter into worship that, you know, praise and worshiping your dance is just a, it's a reflection of your relationship with God. It's a reflection of, you know, being spirit filled <laughs> that you can't dance, you know, because of, you know, the way your emotions can sometimes be set up, that it's hard to rejoice and be in joy from your emotions. But that's why he gave us a spirit that we can dance. And he said, true worshipers worship him from the spirit. So our spirit is giving us the ability to praise. It's giving us the ability to dance even when we don't feel like it. So we're going to get deeper and take that opportunity to dance, to worship, to shout, because we need that. And we're going to see why we need that, okay? So Matthew verse chapter, sorry, chapter 11, verse 17, 16 through 17. And I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Amen. Amen. So you're, we're going to talk about worship, and it's good to, to, you know, to repeat that, that repetition is really good. That I know you guys have already heard, you know, praise and worship from the other speakers, but it's good to get repetition. Um, I, for workout, <laughs> I haven't been recently, but for workout, I took, I started taking like a kickboxing class, and one of the things, you know, they taught you with your kicks and punches is to aim for the same spot, because it's power with repetition, it's power with aim. That we're not worshiping aimlessly, we're not praising aimlessly, but it's a target that we're hitting. That I worship 
it, it does things. And we use that as a weapon to hit a target repetitively, you know, in repetition and repetition and repetition. We use our worship and our praise to hit that target over and over. That, you know, I don't care if it's the same dance you got to do, the same shout you have to do. But there's power in repetition, especially when it comes to our praise and our worship. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 16 through 17. And this is the, once again, the Passion Translation. And it says, don't you understand how could I describe the people of this generation? You're like children playing games on a playground, yelling at their playmates. You don't like it when we want to play wedding, and you don't like it when we want to play funeral. You will neither dance nor mourn. So this scripture, he's referring, <laughs> he's talking about, you know, he's, he used the example of a wedding and a funeral. Because when we read the Bible, we see that there's an old covenant and a new covenant. We see that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. So he's saying that th these people, this generation is like a generation that is not awakened to the newness, the freshness. That he said, behold, I'm doing a new thing in our generation. That the old things are passed away and behold, there's a new thing that he's doing. So he's saying that you're like children, that there's a wedding going on. And weddings, how many guys have been to weddings? Everybody should have been. No, nobody's, some people haven't raised their hand. That's shocking that you've never been to a wedding. But usually at a wedding, there's, there's festivities, there's excitement, there's zeal, there's dancing going on. So he's saying that there's a new covenant, that I, I, I bonded myself with you, that there was a new arrangement, a new marriage between man and God. And you're like kids at a wedding that don't know how to dance, that don't know how to celebrate that you have entered into a new covenant. That the life that you see now, even with your, your natural eyes, you know, that that's not the true, that's not your true life. So in our spirit, when we enter into our spirit, that we see the newness, the new things that he's doing in our generation, that we shouldn't be, you know, put down because of the things we see in our generation on the news or whatever. But when we step in the spirit, we can praise, we can dance, we can shout about being a part of this generation, that I'm not in fear about being a part of this generation. I'm not in fear about raising a family in this generation. You know, you hear that a lot, that, oh, you want to bring kids into this world? But because, behold, he's done a new thing. <laughs> That we can praise, we can shout, we can have joy in this time and in this age and in this generation. And we're going to see the power of what our praise and worship can do in this generation. That your worship and dance is not for you, but it's for your generation. Your praise, your shout is not for you, but it's for your generation. You can also use it for you too, that I have testimonies about that. But we're going we're gonna to see that today in unity when we praise and worship. Because I've seen some of us worship, but there's power when we all enter into worship and unity that God can hear young people's voices and even those in the back that are not youth or whatever, but in unity that we're worshiping and praising in unity, there's power to that, that, you know, it's not effective even with teammates. You know, you can watch different sports. If half the team is on fire saying we're about to win this and the other half is, you know, we already lost this. Look at the other team or whatever that that's already a setup for a loss. So we should be in unity about the victory that we have in this generation we should be in unity about the praise that God has put on the inside of us. That it's not even your praise. That he said, I have instilled in you a praise, the perfect praise. That you don't even have to pull from your own joy, your own praise. But if you pull from your spirit, you can pull out a perfect praise from God. A praise that you didn't even know you had in you. That it's power attached to your praise. Amen. So we're not going to be like those kids on the playground that don't know how to worship. That there's a newness and we don't know how to celebrate it. You know, have you ever had, you know, those people that don't know how to respond or are you that person that you don't know how to respond to presents or gifts? It's like, oh, thank you, or whatever. Like, you know, that those people are not fun to give presents to. So he's saying that that's what this generation was like, that there's a new thing that I did. It's a new covenant. It's a new life. 
So rejoice that you don't have to live the same way. You don't have to see the same things. But rejoice. There's a new thing on the horizon. It's a new thing here in the atmosphere. So let's turn to, um, let's turn to Luke 24. And we're seeing why this is going to be an example of why we praise. Because sometimes, you, like I said, it's a lack of knowledge that people don't know what worship is. They think it's just something that you do in the church. That it's just something you do because everybody else is lifting their hands. But we're going to see why we do it. And we're going to look at what power is attached to that. Luke 24, verses 3 through 7. Then we're going to skip down to 49 through 53. And when you're there, say amen. Amen. And just to let you know um, that your worship, once again, like I said, is the evidence of your relationship with God. That somebody that has a relationship with God can praise. But you see the world, that they have nothing to, you know, that, you know, their praises and shouts are temporarily over, you know, different things. But they don't have an eternal praise. They don't have an eternal shout like the children of God do. That he says, your, my praise shall continually be in your mouth. That any time at a drop of a hat, you should be able to pull out a praise because of who my father is. That the one who loves me, the one who first loves me, always has the power to deliver me. And that's an awesome thing to have on your side, that my father is always with me. And I have a reason to shout even in the face of oppositions. And, you know, as, you, as we walk, and, you know, everybody will learn. You know, as we walk, and, we, and I'm still learning, but as we keep walking with God, that, you know, oppositions can get greater. They get greater, you know. Because you're, you're getting closer to God. So oppositions get greater. But the good news is that the anointing, the revelation of the anointing gets stronger. So every opposition that gets greater, it becomes easier because of the anointing that is set and prepared. That he, I don't care. That, you know, um, for example, I love, you know, Dr. Hadawalt came to our church and gave the testimony about, you know, his church and the building fund. And he, he told us that the first building fund was like, a, you know, thousands of dollars. And then, you know, and it took them four years to raise that money. Then the next, you know, um, project they had was like, I think it was like two, two million. It was two million. So, you know, <laughs> that could have seemed like a greater opposition, that at first we had to raise this much, and then now we're moving into deeper things, and we have to go into the millions. But he said they got that in two years, that the opposition can get bigger and, you know, can look huger, but the anointing makes it easier. It makes it, it, makes it easy. That the anointing is stronger and breaks every yoke, every opposition that can, you know, can stand in your face. But, you know, we should see opposition as an opportunity to praise. Not an opportunity to get in my emotions. Not an opportunity to break down. But oppositions, we should see that this is an opportunity for me to praise. Um, I'll share real quick. I had a testimony about that, you know, before actually coming to camp. Um, I think it was, I don't know what night it was. But in the night, I kind of started to get like a, this cold fever. I had, you know, I started to get really cold. I had a fever that my hearing was acting weird. So I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? I can't hear any, or whatever. And I was just in my bed. And then I started to get a headache and all these things. And then, you know, God just reminded me, hey, you're about to be teaching on praise and worship. How, praise. <laughs> you know, praise me right now. Worship me. So I had to turn to the song that we just sung, you know, before, the can't stop praising your name. And I just, I just had to do that. But starting off, he told me to shout hallelujah. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I'm in bed, and I'm sleepy, I'm tired, and I'm in, you know, pain and things like that. And I was like, okay, hallelujah. You know, that's how some of us do. And he was like, no, that's not, that's not from your spirit. <laughs> that's from your mind. That was from your emotions. So I was like, okay, okay, hallelujah. 
or whatever, and it still, and I was like, okay, that's good. I'm going to go back to sleep. But then I was like, no, my pain's still here or whatever. So I, it took me about, like, five tries. Like, some, you know, sometimes it's, you know, but he's patient with us, <laughs> you know. But the key is just to be obedient and not to give up. So finally I gave it my all, and I know Karina probably heard it and was thinking, like, what is going Because it was, like, in the middle of the night. I'm just in my room shouting and then praising. You probably hear my feet in there <laughs> doing all this. So, but, you know, but before I, got, I went to sleep, everything, all the symptoms were completely gone. So we see that there's power in our praise, and even just the smallest things, that no matter what the sickness is, how big, how large, or whatever, that your praise has power attached to it because it shows that I trust you, that this thing can't stay and I trust you that I have a reason to shout, whether it's financial things, I have a reason to shout, and this opposition cannot stay. <laughs> so I, I trust in you, and I show that with my praise, that I have trust, that people that have an intimate relationship with God and trust God can praise him, even though it doesn't seem like I'm winning, <laughs> but I can praise him. So let's read this, um, Luke 24, verse 3 through 7, and it reads, and this is after um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it says, And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed about, behold, uh, thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garment. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Amen. Amen. So let's skip on down to verse um, Let's skip down to 49 through 53. And it says, behold, the same, cha uh, same chapter. And it says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. So right there he left them. You know, before he even got on the cross, he gave them the promise that I'll be back. And then now that he's coming back, he's giving them the promise that I'm going to heaven to present you holy, but you're not going to be here alone. So, and let's see the response to this, that when God gives you, you know, your Bible is filled with promises. And when you read it, it should put praise in you. It should put excitement in you, zeal in you. So them, after hearing this promise that he gave them, we're going to look at their response. And it said, he led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And as it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So we see that, that the, the promise that I'm going to leave you a spirit put praise in them. It put joy in them. It put excitement because I know that means, you know, things are still going to be moving and changing in the earth because your spirit is still here. That you might not be here in physical present, but your spirit is here. So people still must get healed. <laughs> the dead still must rise. You know, the crippled still must walk. The blind still must see. You know, our families must be resurrected because his, his spirit is still here. Our generation still must be resurrected because his spirit is here. So the good news that his spirit was left put praise in them. And it should put praise in us that whatever, I don't care what you're going back home to, that, you know, you can be excited about being here. And sometimes you can go back home to an environment that's not like this. You know, like Jordan said, you're not always going to be in a little Christian bubble. But you're going to have to go out into the world but realize that I'm in this world and not of it. But it's, you should still have praise that I, I, I might be having to go back home to a household that's not filled with the presence of God. But I still have praise because these things must change. That I still have praise because my schools must change. That it just takes one person with praise. That I have the praise of God. That I can lift my hands and I know why I'm lifting my hands. I can shout with a voice of praise and I know why I'm shouting. 
that I'm not just doing it just because that's what everybody else is doing it, but I'm doing it from my spirit with boldness, that it takes boldness to praise God, and which comes from the spirit of God within you. Amen. So let's look at the next scripture. Let's look at Matthew 11, verse 12. Matthew 11, verse 12. So it's an awesome thing that, you know, if you can't even, you know, right now you probably can't see a reason to praise him, but you should still be able to praise him for what he did on the cross. And, you know, what I love about what he did on the cross was, you know, he, you know, the first miracle he did at the wedding, you know, his mother was telling him that they're out of wine. And he kept saying, well, he said to her, and he said several times throughout the Bible that my hour has not come yet. But how many of you guys know that the hour that he was taking was really our hour? Because <laughs> we were supposed to be on that cross. So he kept telling them, my hour has not come yet. And his hour was what he did on the cross because when he was on the cross, he told his mother that this is your son. When he looked down at her and said, this is your son, in other words, he was saying, finally, this is my hour. This is what I came to the earth for. That we realize that on that cross that he took every addiction, that he took every sickness, he took every disease, he took every low mindset, that he took every bondage, that he even took, he took even shame. So there's no reason for us to be in a shame, you know, for worshiping, that he took that on the cross, that he took abandonment and rejection on the cross, that he took our mocking and persecution on the cross, that he took our beatings on the cross, that he took our hurt and pain on the cross, so we should see that that is a reason to praise God, that I don't have to live with these things anymore. I don't have to live with these emotions going up and down anymore. But I can live from what Jesus did for me on the cross, and I, I can praise him about that, that I can worship him about that. That is what he did on the cross was not in vain. But you putting praise to what he did on the cross makes it effective. That if you can't lift your hands for what he did for you on the cross, you're living without, you know, you're living without your covenant. You're living without the benefits of what he did for you on the cross, that it's important for us to enter in to praise and worship and its power when we do it in unity. Not just 10 people truly into worship and excited to run it up to praise and worship, but everybody in unity and excited about what God is doing in our generation. But it takes a relationship with God to even know what he's doing. <laughs> so that's a reason why you can't praise if you can't praise, because I don't know what he's doing. Why should I praise? But when I'm close to God, I know, I know what he's doing, and I can praise him about that. So let's look at Mark 11, verse 12. I'm sorry, Matthew 11, verse 12. Thank you. You guys are listening. Verse 12, okay. And once again, this is from the Passion Translation. And it says, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the reign of heaven is entered into by force. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. So right here, we should see he's, he's given us a secret. But he said the secrets of my kingdom are only for my children. So he's given us a secret right here. That the only way that you can truly take fully what's yours is by boldness, is by being violent. That the violent take it by force. That we are young people that are violent in the spirit, not beating people up. But we're violent and we're bold with the spirit. What belongs to my generation? This revival belongs to my generation. That the signs and wonders belongs to my generation. And I can praise God about it. That I can be bold about what he's given this generation. That it's a reason to praise him. It's a reason to lift my head up in this generation because he's promised us. He's promised us in these latter days that he's already poured out his spirit. That revival is here, but we're taking it by force. And praise is taking it by force. That I can praise God and I'm taking it by force. Praise is picking up what you did not lay down. Praise is picking up what you did not sow. 
that I can praise God and I'm taking things by force. That he said only the passionate, <laughs> that it says right there, the passionate are the ones that are taking hold of this power. Not those just slouching in their chairs. Not those just leaning down and barely lifting their hands, but the passionate and the violent take it by force. That my home, I'm taking the peace by force that belongs in my household. I'm taking the, the finances that I need by force with my praise. I'm taking just the, the protection that I need by force, by praise. And that's something that God showed me. You guys, I don't know if you know, I've been in a few car wrecks. But recently, <laughs> God's been showing me, you know, just talking about praise. So just now, every now and get in the car, I just give him a shout of praise. And I'm taking that protection by force. <laughs> that I, could, I just go in there and I shout hallelujah. That I'm taking my protection by force. That it belongs to me. And I'm taking hold of it with passion, with power, with praise. That this belongs to me. You know, that power, boldness, and passion, it has a position. It has a position. That, you know, it, it's not somebody laying down. It's not somebody playing victim. It's not somebody halfway doing it. But it's somebody that's all the way in. Like that song we sung, with everything that I will shout forth your name. With everything, I will praise you. With everything. That somebody that is passionate and taking by force is putting their all into it. That I might look crazy shouting and praising, but I know it's not in vain. That, you know, the Bible says that he put... He put, you know, the wise things on, you know, what looks foolish. He really put wise things on the inside of that. That he put treasures on the things that look silly to the world. That praise and shouting sometimes can look silly, but there's a treasure inside of that. <laughs> that it can look silly, but there's power inside of that. So, you know, and his kingdom is for the humble. Somebody that has a huge ego, that has a big just mindset about themselves can't praise God. Because they think I'm doing this, people are going to look at me, I'm doing it. You know, your praise is not, it's not for people to stare at. It's not for you to... You know, you don't have to do a perfect dance and all that stuff or whatever to praise God. <laughs> but it's just I'm praising him from my spirit. I'm praising him from my spirit. And that's what matters. This praise is due to him for what he did. And I'm praising him for what he did for me. And it's not a halfway praise. You know, like we've been saying, the speakers have been saying that he gave his all on that cross. He didn't halfway die on the cross, but he died all the way and gave everything on that cross. So we are to give everything for him with our praise, that it's nothing we can pay him back with, but we can at least say thank you with the praise. You know, you know, <laughs> I've seen a lot of memes about, you know, those people that when people open the door for them, they don't say thank you, whatever, you know, but Jesus not only opened the door for you, but he died for, on the cross for you. So that's a reason to say thank you. And I thank you with my praise that I'm not ashamed to praise you and thank you, you know, in front of my friends, my friends didn't die for me. You know, they didn't come into this world with me. They're not dying with me. They didn't take my pain away. They didn't lift me. They didn't resurrect my family. They didn't take away my addictions. They didn't do these things for me. So my praise is due to God. My praise, my shout, my dance is due to God. That I'm not halfway given that, but I'm giving it my all. That it's due to him. Amen. So once again, the passionate and the violent take it by force. So 2 Chronicles 20, 17 through 21. Second Chronicles 20, 17 through 21. When you're there, say amen. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Here we go. You guys ready? So this is a story, in other words, just in short terms, paraphrasing it, that this was an army of praise that was sent out before these other armies that, you know, it was about like several, I don't know how many, but it was several of armies that were coming against this one, this one army. But they didn't send out their, their fighting army. They sent out basically an army of praise, an army of worshipers. So Second Chronicles 20, 17 through 21, it says, you need not fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand, and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you. So once again, that there was a position right here that needed to be taken, and it was to stand, that I'm not just praising in my seat sitting down, but I'm standing that praise has a position. Boldness has a position. So he's saying, take, this battle is not yours, but what you need to do is stand and take your position and witness the salvation of the Lord. That's why I can praise him, you know, like the theme evidence, that I'm a witness of his salvation and I can praise him for it, that I witness his salvation. So he's, they're saying, stand and take your position and just witness what he's about to do. And it says, O Judea and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. The Lord is with you. Josephat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and worshipped him. The Levites from the sons of Kohathites and the sons of Korahites sit up to praise the Lord of God of Israel with a loud, very loud voice. Enemies destroyed themselves. So they got up early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. Okay. And <laughs> as they went out, Joseph had stood and said, hear me, O Judea and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe and trust in the Lord, your God, and he will be established and secured. You will be established and secured. So once again, that praise is a, is a position of trust. Praise is a position of trust. And he's saying that in this trust, you will be established and secure. That, yes, there's going to be oppositions that are going to come. There's going to be waves that are going to come. But if you position yourself in praise and passion, that you will witness the salvation of the Lord. You will witness what he did for you on the cross. So keep reading. It says, um, hear me, O Judea. Oh, I just read that. Believe and trust in his prophets and succeed. Believe and trust what he's already spoken what he's already prophesied over this generation, over your lives individually. Believe that. And it says, when he had consulted with the people, he anointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in their holy priestly attire. As they went out before the army and said, praise and give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and love and kindness endure forever. Amen. So what happened with this, the end of that story is that they sent out this army of praise. And, you know, one of the things that I love in the scriptures we didn't read but in this translation, they amplified before, you know, they were almost getting in fear about these armies, several armies coming after them. That they said they came to take our, they're coming to take our inheritance. And you have to have that mindset that oppositions are coming to take your inheritance. Your inheritance of peace, your inheritance of joy, your inheritance of finances. But once again, that he said, I have instilled in you praise. <laughs> that steals the enemy. That steals the opposition. So he says that they are coming to take our inheritance. But what did they do? They praised God because they knew salvation comes from him. So praise God when oppositions come, that that is an opportunity to praise him. And one of the things that I had to realize with this, that they sent out, you know, these praise and worshipers and singers. But how many know that these praise and worshipers, 
half of them were not worshiping. All of them worshiped, you know. That, you know, their praise, their, the protection of their, their family was dependent on their praise going out there. That we're not sending an army out here, but we're sending praise before them. We're sending worship before him. We're sending dances before him because my praise and my dance is connected to the protection of my family. It's connected to the protection of me. It's protected to the protection of my generation. That they're even protected from things that they don't even have to see. You know, not just physically, but even mentally, that we can protect our generation from hurt and pain with our praise and with our lifestyles. That worship is also a form, it's, it's your lifestyle. Worship is your lifestyle. Praise is a lifestyle. It's not just when service starts, but I'm doing it in the streets. I'm doing it at school. I'm doing it at home. I'm doing it wherever I go. And one of the things I loved about the Smith Wigglesworth prophecy about this last day revival, that one of the parts that he said that, you know, that people were in the streets praising God, that you don't see that. <laughs> but that is set up for his, his children. That's set up for his children, that we, we will see a generation that can praise God wherever, that at a red light, I can get out my car and praise God. Wherever I'm at, in the grocery store, wherever I can praise God, that that's what this revival is bringing, a boldness, a distinction about his kingdom. And that's when revival starts, when there is a distinction. My praise is distinct. My friendships are distinct, that you don't see me hanging out with everybody. My worship is distinct. The music I listen to is distinct, because that plays a big part in your worship. You can't worship God, listen to every song. <laughs> you can't worship God, listen to all these songs, and then expect to come to church and lift my hands. No, you have the wrong words on the inside of you, that songs are attached to words. That the songs that they're singing up here, they put the words up so you can proclaim the songs in unity. But when you're filling your body up, your mind up with songs of the world, with mindsets of the world, with, you know, relationships of the world, you cannot praise God because I'm filled with the world. But when I'm filling myself up with the promises of God, the promises, the prophecies that belong to this generation, I can stand up, I can praise him because I know things are changing. I know things are moving. I know things are shifting because of the promises and the power and the spirit of God that things must change because he promised me that things cannot stay the same, that I can lift my feet, <laughs> I can shout, I can praise him because the things that he's promised my generation, that I'm not withholding anything, but I'm giving it my all because he's given me a promise. That he said, if I, if I forsake any of these promises, that I'll cease to exist. And he's not a man that he shall lie, that things are changing. But you'll not see it in your, in your flesh. You'll not see it listening to the songs of the world. That you're going to see what they see. You know, that you even have to watch on social media the things, the things that you follow on there. The things that you, you know, you partake on there. That we have to watch what we put into ourselves because what you put in is coming out. Amen. What you put in is coming out. <laughs> okay. So let's turn to, um, let's turn to Acts 16. Amen. Acts 16, verse 22 through 26. And we're going to look at Paul and Silas. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because this is a witness that your praise can even set your neighbor free. That if you're sitting next to a dry person, you can praise them for that person sitting next to you. <laughs> 
that they don't have to leave camp dry and crusty. But because of my praise, that it sets them free. That the praises shake the foundation. Not the symptoms, <laughs> but the foundation. And that's what we're going to look at. So Acts 16, 22 through 26. And it says, the crowd also joined in the attack against them. And the chief magistrates, did I say that right? Tore their robes off <laughs> of them and ordered Paul and Silas to be beaten with rods. After striking them many times with rods, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. He, having received such a strict command, threw them into the inner prison dungeon and fastened their feet in stocks in an agonizing position. So right here, let's just pay attention to everything they went through and then see that they're about to praise. Because sometimes we can get down because it rained outside. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can get down because we had a bad hair day or because somebody didn't speak to me or because whatever or, you know, I got a flat tire or something. Or even if somebody did talk about you for being Christian, that we can just get down about little things. But we see what happened to them because the reason why they got in prison, they cast out a demon. That's why, the, you know, the, it was a, a lady that was, um, that was in the divinations and, you know, that her master made money off of her of doing, you know, her witchcraft and all those things. And she was following, you know, Paul and Silas around and, like, mocking them. That, Behold, these are the men of God. They've come to preach the salvation or whatever. So finally they just turned around and cast that spirit out of her. So the master got mad and, you know, put them in prison and things like that. And, you know, one of the things that I liked about this that we're going to see that, you know, they were Romans, but they didn't let their culture, you know, stand up for them. But they let their praise and their trust in God stand up for them because you're going to see, well, I'm not going to read that part, but at the end, um, you know, they told, they sent a messenger to tell them like, hey, you guys can leave or whatever, just leave quietly or whatever. And they were like, no, we're not going out quiet because you didn't put us in there quiet. So you're going to send us out <laughs> in public. And he said, because we're Romans or whatever. So when they heard that they were Romans, they were like, oh my gosh, uh-oh, that you're one of us. We shouldn't have did that to you. But because of the religion, they didn't look like the culture they came from. They were in this world, but not of it. But I like that they didn't use, you know, their culture to defend themselves. They used their praise and trust in God to defend themselves. Because they could have told them from the jump, we're Romans, you can't lock us up. And, you know, that would have done nothing because there was prisoners in there that needed to be set free. But they used their praise and trust in God to defend them, to stand up for them. So let's keep reading. So it says, that, verse 25. But about midnight, about midnight, <laughs> it doesn't matter the time, you can praise. It doesn't matter the situation, you can praise. That even in your darkest hours, you can praise him. That it doesn't matter what you feel like, it doesn't matter what it looks like, but I can praise him no matter the hour, no matter the amount of darkness, no matter the opposition in the situation, I can praise him. So it says they praised him after getting beat up in prison. And, they're, and they're, they're, the way they locked them up was not just like handcuffs and they're sitting in a bench. But no, they, they really, you know, had them locked up in there and in the inner dungeon. They really had them locked up. So verse 25, it says about midnight when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, all doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. So we see that everything that they went through, they still had praise because it didn't come from their emotions, but it came from the Spirit of God within them. 
So what happened when they praise that they're putting trust in God, that I know you hear me, I know you see me, and I'm taking hold of the protection and the salvation that's already out here in the atmosphere. And what happened that the foundation was shaken. The foundation was shaken once again that your praise is not just shaking the symptoms. You know, that I'm in depression, that's a symptom. That I'm sad, that's a symptom. But the gates of hell are shaken, which is the, the source, the foundation. That the devil's kingdom is shaken, which is the source of all the symptoms that we see in the world that we put on with labels. So he says that their praise shook the foundation of the prison and all bands were loose. All doors were open. That you guys know that there's some doors you need to open in the spiritual realm. That there's some things in this revival that's going to take you to get through a door and into a room that, that's waiting for you. But you can't get in there without praise. Some doors need to be opened with praise. So he said that all doors were open. You know, the things that you need bound can be bound by praise. The things that you need be, to be loose can be loose by praise. But also there's things that you need to enter into that only praise can take you into. So we should not neglect the power of praise. We should realize that we should do this in unity, that we're here at camp to do this in unity. Your mom didn't pay $310 for you to slouch down in a chair and not take notes. <laughs> they didn't pay the 300 whatever dollars for you to just come back the same. Amen? So that we're, we're doing things here that are making a difference back at home. That your praise here right now can make a difference back at home where you're not even there. That my praise can reach rooms that I'm not even in. It can reach states that I'm not even in. It can reach people inside the hospital, inside the prisons. That I don't have to actually be there, but the spirit of praise shakes the foundation. That it reaches into the darkness. That my light has no boundaries. My praise has no limits. My praise has no boundaries. That it reaches into the darkness and pulls people out. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Let me give y'all an opportunity to praise. <laughs> so let's, let's look at 2 Samuel 6. Second Samuel 6, 12 through 16. And once again, John 17, 16, it says that we're, we're, not, we're in this world, but we're not of it. And one thing I liked when I was reading, um, you know, the book of Genesis, I was looking at, you know, the, yeah, and it's good to read things over because you'll get new things out of it. But, you know, I realized that he's called us, you know, a holy nation, a priesthood, that we are, we're called his peculiar people, set apart <laughs> That it's nothing peculiar about somebody that, <laughs> whatever, but it's peculiarness in somebody that has a praise, that has a smile, that has joy when, they, when they're not supposed to have it. But in Genesis, I realized that when he was created everything, that he made a distinction between the light and the day. He, he divided ferments, that he made a distinction that his kingdom would be distinct and set apart. And that still stands today, even from the beginning to the end, that his kingdom shall be set apart and distinct. That our praise brings out our distinction. Our praise brings out the peculiarness that he's set inside of us. That we're to pull these things out. That we're not who we see in the mirror. We're not who we've known over the past years. But there's a newness that he said, "Who those in Christ, I have made you a new creation. That the old is passed away. And behold, there's a new. So we have to realize that. So let's look at this. 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 16. Uh, let me get there. Well, I'm just popping. But 2 Samuel 6, 12 
through, um, I'm sorry, yeah, 12 through 16. Amen. My pages are stuck together, y'all. 2 Samuel 6, verse 12 through 16. Okay. And it says, and this is King David. Amen. And actually, we can start in verse, no, we start verse 12. Um, He's a king. Realize that you guys are kings, okay? So verse 12, and it says, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obedim, and all that pertaineth unto him, because of the ark of God. So David went out and brought the ark of God from the house of Obedim into the city of David with gladness. And for you guys that don't know what the ark is, that that was the Ten Commandments. But wherever the Ten Commandments went, the, the presence of God went. This is in the Old Covenant. And that we can see, once again, that he said the old ways are passed away. But we're just going to look at how he praised him over just the ark where, the, where this went. This ark is that the whole city is blessed. The family is blessed. That ever, whoever has this ark, ark is blessed. That they win all the battles because they have this ark. So he was excited because he was bringing into his city The presence, the protection, the promises, the words of God, the vows, the commandments that connected them in a covenant together. So he had praise bringing this into his city. But how many of you guys know that we're in a new covenant? And we don't have to have some pieces of paper or stone to be protected. But we have the spirit of God within us that wherever we go, we're protected. Wherever we go, we we are kept that we can have rest, we can have peace. And that's something that God showed me that was going to happen today, this morning, that you're praying, some of you guys here, that he said that you guys need rest, <laughs> you need peace. But to enter into that, that he showed that we, we're going to need to enter into praise and unity together. We're going to do that at the end, okay? But so let's keep reading. So where am I at? Verse 13. So it says, and it was so that when they had, when they, hold on. And it was so, when they that bared the ark of the Lord had gone six paces and sacrificed oxen and fatlings, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. How, how much of his might? How much? How much? Yes. It wasn't halfway. All his might. And it says, let me see where I'm at. All his might. And David was girdled with a linen. I don't know how it's ephod. Ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord came into the city, David, his wife, comma his wife, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So this is a story. David, you know, he was known for his dancing. You know the song, dance like David dance. I will dance. I'm not singing. But it's a song about that, his dancing. But right here it showed that he danced because the promise and the presence of God was with him. That he had joy entering into his city. That wherever we go, we can have joy because the presence of God is with me. His love, his passion, his mercy, his forgiveness is with me wherever I go. And he's coming back into the city. He's still dancing and praising and getting down. And once again, we remind ourselves he's a king. So his wife looks out the window and was like, oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. Like, he's embarrassing our kingdom. He's a king, and he's dancing like that or whatever. But how do you guys know that you guys are kings, but there's power with your praise? <laughs> it's power with your praise because of the presence of God. And with her, with that mindset with her, 
that mindset that she was in, it didn't bring her blessings because back then it was, you know, and, you know, still today, but with the women, especially in the royal family, that it was a disgrace not to bear children. And because of her mindset of him embarrassing her because of the praise that she was barren, she didn't have any linen, she didn't have any, you know, children after her. But there's power when God can see us as young people praise God because he knows that we're going to leave that to our, the next generation. We're going to leave that for our children to enter into, that they can enter into the faith that we've left in the earth. They can enter into the praise that we've already laid up, stacked up <laughs> into the earth, that they can enter into that. So she, you know, and sometimes you can have those people. They might be in here, but we're, we're going to set them free today, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> that she looked at him and was just, you know, disgusted and embarrassed that he was a king praising like that and shouting that he was going all out because he knew what was with him. She didn't, she didn't really get it. She was just looking at what he was doing. But he knew the reason for his praise. So once again, we have to realize the reason for our praise, that it pulls out the benefits. It takes by force the things that are promised to us because of the presence and the power of God. It's not just to look cute. We're not dancing to get attention. You know, we're not dancing to show off our moves, but we're dancing for the kingdom of God. We're dancing for foundations to be shaken. We're dancing because we have joy, and the praise brings up more joy than we had at first. That it sets us free from anything that you can be going through, the praise of God. So let's look at Psalms 22. Psalms 22. Verse 22. Psalms 22, and we're going to start. In verse 22 to 29. Amen. Amen. In verse 22, it says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise thee. Where did he say? In the midst of the congregation. Not only in my room in my private time, but in the midst of the congregation, I will praise your name. I will praise your name because I will be a witness and evidence to my congregation. I'll be a witness and evidence to the world that my praise is a witness and evidence. And it brings even more evidence into my life. So he says that the praise, I will praise his name in the midst of the congregation. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. That it takes honor to praise him. That somebody that, that's not honoring God or has no honor or respect from him can't praise him. You can't praise him. And there's the same thing going back to the thank you thing. That somebody, a disrespectful person is an unthankful person. And the Bible warns about that, that those that enter into unthankfulness, that you're opening the door for more destruction. That you're opening the door for more darkness because I'm not even thankful for what I do have. That I'm not content with what I do have, knowing that I'm not going to stay here, but I'm still not content with it, whatever. But, you know, that he's saying that those that fear him, that honor him, can praise him, can shout, can give thanks to him for who he is and what he's done. So it says, I will praise in the midst of the congregation. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. And all the seeds of Jacob glorify him. All the seeds, every generation. Fear him, all ye seeds of Israel, for he hath not despised nor horned the affliction of the afflicted. Neither had he hid his face from him. But when he cried out unto him, he heard him. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I don't care how, many, how big my church gets. <laughs> but I'm still going to be able to praise him. Now, we got a lot of people here today. 
whatever. No, that I don't care in the midst of great congregations that I can praise him. Let's see. It says, I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat. The meek shall eat. It sounds like I'm saying the meek. That's fine. The meek shall eat. The humble shall eat. Amen. And it says, and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. And all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is a governor among the nations, that I will praise him because I respect him, I honor him, I cherish him, that, you know, sometimes those people <laughs> that um, they, their level of honor kind of raises when a certain person comes around, they be with their friends and saying all this, cussing, whatever, talking about this, certain person. yes, ma'am, yes, sir, whatever, that they enter a whole new state of honor because of the person, of who that person is. So that's the same thing with God, that he's always with me. So I should always be an honor, that my honor is not due to my friends. You know, you should honor, respect them. But the first, my first honor goes to him. That, you know, that, that's the standard of my honor is the honor that belongs to him. That I don't lower that honor because I'm around my peers. I'm around my friends. I'm around wherever or I think nobody's looking. That my honor doesn't go down, but it stays the same standard. It actually exceeds my, my honor keeps exceeding, that it goes deeper. My obedience goes deeper. That every day you should confess that over my, yourselves, that your obedience and your honor for God goes deeper every day, that I enter into a new depth of obedience. I enter into a new depth of honor towards him. That that's something to confess and speak over yourself, that you have to edify and build yourself up too. That you just can't sing all the songs over yourself, whatever, those songs out, whatever. But the words that should be in your mouth are the words that who God called you to be. And what he said is yours, that those are the words that should come out of your mouth and which will bring you into praise. Amen. So let's turn to, um, let's turn to Matthew 11, 1 through 4. And we have one more scripture after this, okay? <laughs> Matthew 11, 1 through 4. And we remember that praise and worship is a lifestyle. It's not for, you know, the first seconds of church service. We're just in, in the church. But once again, we are the church, and with the praise of God goes wherever we go. You know, that he says that we're the temple of God, and usually in temples there's prayer, there's praise. So if he's saying that my temple is no longer a building, but it's you, that that means my prayer goes wherever I go. My praise goes wherever I go because I'm the temple of the living God. That I honor and I respect him. That praise will always come out of me because this is his temple. This is no longer my body. This is no longer my life. So what flows out of this is the praise and the worship to God. So Matthew 11, 1 through 4. And I, I really like this passage. <laughs> because once again, this was, a, this was a, he had to give evidence to, to John the Baptist. And this shows us that during this time, you know, John the Baptist, he was in prison. And during this time, it looks like that he started to kind of, you know, started to kind of question and kind of doubt. And, you know, that this was a, the man that proclaimed the coming, of, the the coming of, of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God coming. But even him in prison, he started to kind of almost question. So it says, after Jesus finished giving instructions to his disciples, he went on to minister in different villages throughout the region. Now, while John the Immerser was in prison, he heard about Christ, what Christ was doing among the people. So he sent his disciples to ask him a question. Are you really the one prophesied would come, or should we st still wait for another? 
So this was John the Baptist, and he started to kind of question. That shows that sometimes we can, we can if John the Baptist, that sometimes we can get into oppositions and problems where we start to question that, God, did you really say I can have this? Did you really say that this is mine, this is who I am? Did you really say that this is about my generation? Is that really my house? Is that really my finances? Is this really my joy? You know, does this really belong to me? So this was Jesus' answer. And it says, and Jesus answered them, give John this report. The blind see, the crippled walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, the poor and broken now hear the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. That no matter what happens, we cannot lose our faith in God. No matter what happens, we cannot lose our praise in God. No matter what it looks like, I don't care what's happened to who, it doesn't matter that we cannot lose our faith and hope in God because he has not forsaken us. Like the song we sung, that he will never let us down. He will never forsake us. That he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That I'm not like men, that I won't leave you. I won't reject you because of certain persons around. Sometimes people can do that. They're around a whole other audience. I don't know them, whatever. But no, that he said, I will never leave you nor reject you. No matter what opposition comes, that I'm there. But on your part, do not lose faith in me. Do not lose your hope in me because things are moving and happening. That he gave him evidence, and it was what his lifestyle of praise and worship did wherever he went. That that lifestyle of praise and worship, once again, worship is your lifestyle. It's how I live. It's who I am, and it causes people to be healed. That I can walk past, we should reach the level where I can just walk past people. They're healed and delivered. My shadow just touches them, and they're delivered. They're set free because I live a lifestyle of worship. The presence of God goes wherever I go. It's not just in church. It's not just in my bedroom, but it goes wherever I go. So let's read Matthew 21, 15 through 16. I'm considering this one scripture, but it was two scriptures together, but they say the same thing. So Matthew 21, 15 through 16. And so, you know, Jesus was doing miracles in the temples, and then people started to praise him. And this is what happened. In verse 14, it says, And the blind and the lame came to, came to, came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And some of you guys have already been touched so far in camp. But your praise shouldn't stop. It should keep going. And some of you guys have already been praising, but there's new depths that you need to get into. So he says that these people were healed. In verse 15, it says, And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, the son of David, they were sore displeased. <laughs> so he was doing miracles in the temple. And, you know, these, the children started to see these things. So they started to proclaim who he is. They started to proclaim the name of Jesus and what he was doing. And, the, you know, the people, the, the spiritual leaders, in this synagogue, they were, they were kind of getting upset about that. They were jealous or whatever. They just, they didn't like that. So this was his response, verse 16. And he said unto them, hearest thou what, the, what these say? And Jesus said unto them, yeah, have you never heard, never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise? That in the mouth of his children he has already set and established perfected praise. That it's perfected. You don't have to worry about my shout sounding 
perfect or not having a crack in my shell or whatever. That he, it's just perfect because it's coming from the Spirit. So last scripture, Psalms verse 8. Psalms 8, the whole chapter. <laughs> it's only like six verses, y'all. <laughs> Okay, Psalms chapter 8. Y'all stick with me. This is the last chapter. Let's read it together in unity. Okay, so Psalms chapter 8. It says, our Lord, oh Lord, our Lord, <laughs> how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and suckling hast thou ordained strength because of thy enemies, and that thou might steal the enemy and the avenger. Once again, my praise, in my praise is strength. <laughs> in my praise, it steals the enemy. That even I wake up and I might not feel like this is the day the Lord has made. I might not just have all the energy and the strength that I have. And some of you guys in here that might be tired. <laughs> that in your praise is strength. In your praise is energy to go back out and play the team competitions. <laughs> in your praise is strength. So he says, when I consider thy heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moons and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visit, visiteth him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And that word angels is referring to God. And it says, and hast thou crowned him with glory and honor. Thou made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. That once again, he said, the earth I have given to men. So he's saying everything that you created with your hands that you've given unto me and all things that you have put under my feet, that there's nothing that should, should have control over my life. There's no addiction that should have control over my life. There's no money that should have control over my life, that money is meant to serve you, not you serve it. That he said, I put all things under my feet. So financial problems are not really problems. That's a praise, a faith problem. That's a trust problem. It's not really a financial problem. So he says that I have put all things under your feet, all sheep and oxen, yeah, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. So I want you guys to stand up. Stand up. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to practice, we're not practice, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. <laughs> 